0: morning and welcome to Brighton Road Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us for worship. We are all of us worshipping in our own homes at the moment but by the Spirit of Christ God is present with us all. You are not alone. Later in our service we will be celebrating Communion. It would be really good if you had some bread or wine or something equivalent ready. As we eat and drink We remember that we are all members together in the body of Christ, bound to him and to each other by the blood of an eternal covenant. Now, I don't know whether you come this morning to worship relaxed or stressed, but let's take a moment to still our hearts as we recognise that Christ is with us, opening our minds to hear God's word. And through the psalmist, God says, be still and know that I am God. So then let's be still and know indeed that the Lord is God. And now, let's worship our God together in the words of the hymn. All people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. I lead you in prayer. Father, you are the all-powerful God of past, present and future. You keep your promises. Thank you for your love for me. Jesus, you are the Son of Man. You are the way, the truth and the life. You never turn anyone away who comes to you. Thank you for your love for me. Holy Spirit, you are the living power of God within me. You you help me, you guide me, you test me, you transform me. Thank you for your love for me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for welcoming me to be part of your family. Thank you. For your love for me. Amen. Francis Spufford has written a brilliant but provocative book, Unapologetic. The subtitle is Why Despite Everything Christianity Can Still Make Surprising Emotional Sense. The book starts with these words. My daughter has just turned six. Sometime over the next year or so she will discover that her parents are weird. We're weird because we go to church. This means, well... As she gets older, there'll be voices telling her what it means, getting louder and louder, until by the time she's a teenager, they'll be shouting right in her ear. It means that we believe in a load of Bronze Age absurdities. It means that we don't believe in dinosaurs. It means that we're dogmatic, that we're self-righteous. And the list goes on and on of misconceptions about what Christians believe in people's misguided understanding, as to what we are about. Sooner or later, if you're a Christian, someone's going to give you a hard time about it. Within his first letter, Peter has some good advice about how to deal with that kind of opposition. He says, don't be afraid. Don't let them intimidate you. Let your heart be a holy place where Christ is Lord. And if anyone asks, be prepared to defend what you believe. It's also worth remembering what Charles Spurgeon had to say on the subject of defending our faith. Suppose a number of persons were to take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion, full grown king of the beasts. There he is in the cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I would suggest to them, if they would not object and feel it was humbling to them, that they should kindly stand back, open the door and let the lion out. I believe that would be the best way of defending him, for he would take care of himself. And the best apology for the gospel is to let the gospel out. (laughs) Words worth bearing in mind. Let's sing from the breaking of the dawn.
1: Our reading today is taken from Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Jesus Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer. Your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through with Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God.
2: Heavenly Father we thank you so much that through Christ and by the power of your spirit we belong to you and you have begun a good work in us that you will bring to completion. We're so grateful for this promise and pray that as we remind ourselves of it you will renew our hope and fill us with fresh purpose in living each day for you. As the pandemic continues to dominate our lives we continue to pray for all the frontline staff caring for the sick and dying. As we pray individually, we name before you those known to us personally. Please bless and sustain them through these difficult days. We pray that they will bring all their cares and anxieties to you and will experience your all-sufficient grace to help them in their time of need. We thank you for the rapid advance of the vaccination programme here in the UK for the many volunteers who are helping, and for the medical staff administering the vaccines. We pray especially for all the Christians who are involved, that the love and compassion they show will be a powerful testimony to the hope they have in Jesus. And we pray for wisdom for our government, as it makes plans to donate vaccines to countries which don't have the resources to develop or buy vaccines for their own people please stir up in all of us a spirit of compassion and generosity to share vaccines sooner rather than later in order to help halt the spread of COVID-19 worldwide. We pray too for particular places and people around the world that are experiencing other great troubles at the moment. For the situation in Myanmar following the military coup, we pray for restraint on the part of government forces in the face of popular demonstrations and for a just and democratic solution that will be for the good of all the people. For those fleeing violence in countries like Syria, Ethiopia and Mozambique, we pray for an end to the violence, that you would frustrate the purposes of those seeking to spread hatred and fear and raise up peacemakers who command respect and can lead the way in resolving the conflict. For migrants who are stranded in camps in places like Southeast Europe and Central America, hoping for a better life but caught in a seemingly hopeless situation. We pray for all those working to bring practical help and support and for political solutions that will enable the migrants to move on and find homes where they can bring up their families in peace and security. We pray in particular for all your people in these situations, whether suffering because of them or seeking to bring relief, and pray that they will stand firm in their faith and be filled with joy in Christ in the midst of all these trials. And we pray for them and for ourselves, as the Apostle Paul did for the Philippian Church, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, and that we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of your name. Amen.
0: At the beginning
3: of his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 1 verse 7 about defending and confirming the gospel. But what does Paul mean by defending and confirming the gospel? Well, firstly, let's look at defending the gospel. The Greek word that Paul uses here is apologia, although it sounds like our English word for apology, It's not about saying sorry. The word apologia refers to a speech in defence of. In other words, a verbal defence. Apologia would refer to a reasoned defence used in a court of law to answer for oneself or on behalf of another in defending one's stance on a matter. It comes from two Greek words. Apo, meaning from, and logos, in this context, meaning an intelligent reasoning, or a reasoned discourse, or an argument. Today we speak about apologetics, or biblical apologetics, as terms meaning the supply of reasoned, intelligent explanations and evidences for the Christian faith. Paul uses apologia a second time in this first chapter of Philippians, in verse 16. I am put here for the defence of the Gospel. You see, Paul is giving a well-reasoned reply, a thought-out response to those who are bringing challenge to the Gospel. He is arguing intelligently, reasonably and persuasively in favour of the Gospel, presenting evidence that supplies compelling proof of the Gospel's authenticity and power. Paul is determined to ensure that the Gospel gains a full, fair and true hearing, as in a court of law. We also see in the Scriptures how Paul argues in defence of himself to bring the gospel to others. He brings his qualifications for sharing the gospel and defends his freedom and right to share. In Acts chapter 22, Paul defends himself before a riotous crowd, beginning in verse 1, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defence. He argues his case before them, sharing his testimony about his faith in Jesus. Do not underestimate the power of your personal testimony, your accounting of your faith in Jesus before others. Later in Acts chapter 25, Paul is before King Agrippa and again he defends himself in verse 16, speaking about the need to face your accusers and have an opportunity to defend yourself against the charges. When we stand before others, we have opportunity both to defend the gospel and defend our commission to share the gospel with all. When writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Defending the gospel can come with a cost, and its success is not always immediate or apparent. Though we may be on sure ground uh, when arguing faithfully and factually for the good news about Jesus, not everyone will listen or accept the argument that we bring. The Apostle Peter writes in his first letter in chapter 3, verses 15 to 18, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer, a defence, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is god's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil for christ also suffered when we have opportunity to reasonably argue a defense for the gospel we should argue honestly and factually with a love for and reliance upon the scriptures with a clear conscience with a reverence for Christ as Lord and a respect for those we are addressing. However, when we do so, we can expect that our defence won't always be received gladly. Though we may exhibit gentleness and respect, though there may be nothing in our demeanour or language that causes offence, The gospel itself can cause offence. Jesus suffered for the truth. So do not be surprised if, when defending the gospel, you also open yourself up to the possibility of unjust slander, malicious speaking, suffering, and persecution. We are not in a war against flesh and blood but against the same evil spiritual forces that were pitted against jesus secondly paul writes the The greek word paul uses here is bebeosis it stems from the greek word bebeo which speaks about security and certainty uh, to Walk where it is sure and solid, to have a solid footing. Confirming the gospel is all about showing by one's life, one's walk, that the gospel is firm and sure enough to walk on. The good news about Jesus is reliable, steadfast and enduring. It is established and unshakable. It upholds and sustains. It gives that guaranteed support, security and surety in this life and in the life to come. Paul wanted people to not only hear with their ears through his reasoned defence of the gospel, but see with their eyes his life Lived out with full and sure confidence in the gospel and in its power for living. Paul uses the same Greek word when writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 about how God will also keep you firm to the end and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 that God makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He also writes to the Colossians in chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in, Bebe Omenai, uh, the faith Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The writer to the Hebrews also employs this word several times, reminding his readers that it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, that we are to hold firmly to our confidence, and hold our original conviction firmly to the end and that we have this hope in Christ as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, or unshakable. So like Paul, we have opportunity to defend and confirm the gospel. And we can have full confidence that not only Is the gospel worth defending and confirming, but that the Spirit of God comes alongside us to help us to do so? I pray that all those listening may receive strength and help as you have opportunity to defend and confirm in your words and in your walk. The good news about Jesus and the opportunity, the right to share that good news about Jesus with others. Amen.
0: Communion is where faith becomes personal. In the act of eating bread and and drinking wine, we accept that that Christ gave his life for us. His body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and that recognition can have a profound effect on how we live. Knowing that Christ gave his life for us inspires us to live our lives for him. And what we do here, we do in imitation of what Christ first did. To his followers in, in every age, Jesus gave an example and a command, rooted in the experience he shared with his disciples in an upstairs room in Jerusalem. On the night in which he was betrayed, and as they were sitting at a meal, Jesus took a piece of bread and broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, This is my body. It's broken for you. Do this to remember me. And later after they'd eaten, he took a cup of wine and said, This cup is the new relationship with God made possible because of my death. Drink this, all of you. To remember me. So now we do as Jesus did. We take this bread and this wine. They are the produce of the earth and the fruit of human labour. But in these, Jesus has promised to be present. Through these, Christ can make us whole. So, can I lead you in prayer? Merciful God, send now in kindness your Holy Spirit to settle on this bread and this wine and fill them with the fullness of Jesus. And let that same Spirit rest on us, converting us from the patterns of this passing world until we conform to the shape of him whose food we now share. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Among friends gathered round a table, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. And later he took a cup of wine and said, This is the new relationship with God made possible because of my death. Take it, all of you, to remember me. He whom the universe could not contain is present to us in this bread. He who has redeemed us and called us by name now meets us in this cup. So we take this bread and this wine. In them God comes to us so that we, may come to God. The body of Christ was broken for you. The blood of Christ was shed for you. In gratitude. In deep gratitude for this moment, this meal, Lord, we give ourselves to you. Take us out to live as changed people, because we've shared the living bread and and we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us. Expect much from us. Enable much by us. Encourage many through us. So, Lord, may we live to your glory, both as inhabitants of earth and citizens of the commonwealth of heaven. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.